25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. Left left. 372 Y sticks. The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Back on the show, I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, fast, friendly service. That's what you get at Farm Bureau. Somebody you get to know in person. Somebody you probably already know in person. That's your local Farm Bureau agent. And uh, somebody that you can deal with one-on-one when... When the need arises, especially, um, and that's the way it ought to be. It's not the way it is in, at, at every company, but it is the way it is at Farm Bureau. So hop on in to your local Farm Bureau office. Meet the folks. Give them an opportunity if you haven't already. Coming up, Brett Norsworthy from Sports 56 in Memphis. We have returned from the power outage. It was brief. One minute, Neil Price was talking. The next minute, bam! My hover helmet. Rest, you know, rest in peace, hover helmet. It operates on a magnet that's electric. So when the electricity goes out, down comes the hover helmet. <laughs> Actually, wait a minute. No, it's fine. It's fine. It ain't broken. It's fine. So it's still going to work. You ever seen one of those hover helmets that I'm talking about, Roger? No. Yeah, it's um, it's a neat. Oh yeah, thing. yeah. You're talking about the little display thing. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh this, yeah, those are pretty cool. They are magnetic. They keep a little magnetic feel that it sits in. Yeah, that's it. Um, so that's what it is. Uh, so it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, but it's just a shock to your your whole thing. You know, you're every you're looking at computer screens, and next thing you know, there's just this loud noise, a blink, and everything goes dark. Everything goes dark. <laughs> But Roger gave me advice. We're going to get an uninterrupted power supply. We're going to put it on there so we can avoid that in the future. You know, you learn as you go. You learn as you go. The uh, phone line will be open to you in this hour at 995-1059, the Divinity Equipment phone. Again, that number, 601-995-1059. Got it? Write it down. Commit it to memory. You know, keep it handy. Write it on the back of your hand. I don't know. Are you allowed to do that nowadays? Write it on the back of your hand? Sure. Yeah, my daughter is in the... Tattooed on there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Roger, you know, my daughter's in the second grade, and um, she... uh, Yeah, well, I guess last week was the first week, and so uh, we're just kind of finishing up the second week of, of school. But when it comes to pick them up... They have little landmarks out there that are numbered. So when your parent pulls up in a car, if you're not on the bus, if your parent pulls up in a car and parks, say, in front of the number 20, they write a, they write on the kid's hand, number 20, and then send them out. <laughs> <laughs> so all these kids have the number written on their hand, you know? 
And, and we're still getting used to that. Yeah, the Divinity phone open to you, 601-995-1059. Hunting season right around the corner. Told you yesterday, you can go out there right now at uh, Divinity and check out this new Kubota 40-mile-per-hour utility vehicle. Price is starting just under $12,000, $11,495. Payments are going to get you right around two hundred seven dollars a month. You need to call them for details. Numbers and how to get in contact and everything are at DiviniEquipment.com, or you can just go see them. I'll tell you some more about the uh, Hunter's special package coming up. Does that include some of the uh, the stuff for the food plots? Oh, yeah. You know, this is getting to be the time. You, you better get it out there and get yeah, it done. Yeah, it's time to start thinking about it. It is. Yeah. They always do. That is one thing that's really it's great. Um, you know, this time of year, if you're a hunter, it just kind of gets you going. And even, you know, if you're not a, a deer hunter, like let's just say, you know, you, you go to several dove shoots uh, in September. You go in there uh, this time of year in Divinity, you see stands and ladders and, and then these big uh, pallets of the corn and the rice bran and the fertilizer and everything you need. They really do get geared up um, this time of year for hunting season. So check them out. Divinity Equipment. Again, uh, in Raymond... Jackson and on Highway 51 in Madison. So uh, check them out right there. Just a personal note for those hunters out there. Check those uh, deer stand straps, if you've, especially if you left them out. Oh, so many people yeah. get up there and they'll, they'll just, they look strong and they pull, but just the slightest little abrasion on those straps and they'll, they'll, you'll be surprised if they've been out there. So yeah. Take those in every year. Yeah. Little, little thing. Right. All right, so we're going to talk to Brett Norsworthy in just a sec. We'll kick it around in uh, college football. Here's a text on the text line at 885-ESPN. If you need the number to text, it's 885-3776. Somebody texted and said that they had heard that basketball player Monta Ellis from Jackson had a famous father. Do you know who his famous father is? No, I don't know. I don't know. Send me the answer. I'd love to know. Currently, I don't. Yeah, what are we? Um, Let's see. Today is Thursday, so we're looking at nine, well, less than nine days. So eight days and a few hours, whatever the math is, from the opening weekend of some college football games. And, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I think everybody else is. That's probably the biggest understatement of the week on the show, that we're looking forward to college football. But... It's different in that we have all these games are going to happen in the month of August. You know, in a typical calendar, college football begins that first weekend in September, but it shifts a little bit this year. So the the full slate of games will be happening, you know, on the 31st. Our countdown we did around here in the summer went to the August the 31st. But you're also going to get some good games on the 24th. Therefore, we get two open dates during the year. And if you're like me and you're involved in working these games, that's great because that's an extra Saturday throughout the year, not just one open date, but two, that you get to sit on your fanny at home and be a fan and watch games on television. But that's what we'll be doing in eight and a half days or however we add that up. Let's talk about it right now with a guy who'll be watching them all and and previewing them all and is doing so right now in Sports 56 in Memphis on his show in the afternoons, as well as on the pregame postgame show for Ole Miss football on their radio network. He's on your radio right now. Brett Norsworthy joining us, and y'all can follow him on Twitter. Hey, Brett, man, it's getting real hey, close man. now. It's getting real. I don't even want to know anybody that's not looking forward to it getting here. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, that's it. I only want to talk to people who can appreciate what is SEC football, especially the early part of the year. And look, so on the 24th, uh, so in eight and a half days, we're going to get Miami and Florida facing off in Orlando. What do you think about that game? I like that matchup. I'm glad they're playing. It will be a neutral site, but it won't be real neutral. It'll be mostly Gators there, and it's a fun setting. Oh, Miss, we played down there on Labor Day night in 2016 against FSU. That night, the second half was not quite as much fun, <laughs> but I'm glad they're playing. New coach at Miami and Manny Diaz, a little bit of a quarterback controversy. Tate Martell probably thought he was in the transfer portal to head to you to be the starting quarterback. And I said, because I'm here to pay respect to what Miami did over a couple of different coaches for their place in college football history. But when they're not very good, they go back to being Miami or Florida. Mm. When they're good, they're just to you. When, when they're not very good, you have to differentiate between Miami of Ohio and Miami of Florida and Right now, the U's not very good. They're back to being Miami of Florida. And Dan Mullen, no shocker to you, no shocker to any of us. He can flat coach, and he, he, he set his marker down last year. I think it'll be about the same win total-wise for him this year and maybe his big step-up year, maybe looking to next year or the future. But nine, nine ten wins season, I think, is in the offing for the Gators, and their big game will come down to the cocktail party against Georgia. I, it, it's one of the – Matt, it's one of the things about the college football season that lessens the anticipation a little bit is we think we know how it's going to end. It feels very matter-of-fact that it's going to be Bama, Georgia, Georgia, Bama uh, at the Mercedes-Benz Dome first weekend in December. But we got a lot of football to play to get to that, and usually with the, the best laid plans, you know where they go. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, and I think you know Florida a favorite for a reason in that one. Um, but you touched on it; these games that we already kind of know the outcome. And and to me, Alabama f- facing Duke in that first opening weekend is one of those we know the outcome ahead of time. But Brett, don't we still, regardless of the outcome of this game, don't we still need to step back and just kind of do the applause for the job that David Cutcliffe is doing at Duke? Enormous respect for Coach Cutcliffe and for Karen and their family. And I thought it was, you know, a, a short-sighted decision by Ole Miss a long time ago. Everybody went their separate ways, and, and, and Coach Cut has has made it work. And he's done just a yeoman's job at a place that's very difficult. It's it's one of the few places that plays FBS football, Power Five football, where basketball is the predominant sport. Mm. Uh, it, it just simply is. Kentucky and SEC is that, and. And maybe Vanderbilt, but there aren't, there aren't many in the SEC. There aren't many across the Power Five, but it is there and his working relationship with Coach K, and you have to have that blessing. We know that, and, mm-hmm. and he, he has it. He's earned it, and it, it's been a phenomenal job. I think that's the only thing is the, co- the coaching respect for David Cutcliffe that will keep that from being a massacre mm-hmm. on opening night. I have said the Alabama first five games, that they should win by the average of about 40 points over those five games, and I don't think I'll be too far off. And I think some of the motivation should be how last year ended. Tua Tungvaloa was the landslide winner of the Heisman Trophy up until about the time the ballots went out. And and they had to pull him in so many games, Matt. I think it hurt his Heisman candidacy. 
and I'm not so sure that it didn't hurt his sharpness. I do think he was he had the grumbles at minimum and was kind of injured at, at maximum down the stretch, and that hurt him. He just was not very sharp down the stretch of the year uh, in, in the SEC championship game and even in the semifinals and for sure in the finals against Clemson. So I think Alabama's going to come out and just drop a house on a lot of people this year, and, and not just to be the biggest bullies on the block, but just to show – uh, you know, they're not going anywhere, and it's probably was the, was the most disappointing one-loss team in the history of college football. <laughs> yeah, he, what a statement, because nobody would argue with that, but when you think about that on the surface, it, it kind of knocks you back. Brett Norsworthy on your radio right now. Y'all follow him on Twitter, at Brett Norsworthy, and you can listen to him uh, weekdays in the afternoons, 3 to 6, on Sports 56 in Memphis, and pre- and post-game on the Ole Miss Network uh, surrounding their football broadcasts throughout the fall. Uh, one one more thing, you mentioned you know that that coaching respect. Is this also, regardless of outcome, is this also um, an opportunity for Duke to um, raise their recruiting profile? I, that's the belief, Brett, in a lot of these games. Hey, look, Duke's going to run out there against Alabama. They need this. It helps them in recruiting. Does it really help them in recruiting? I don't think it hurts. It, it, it cannot hurt it. What mm. for Duke, with their academics and with their national approach, you know, you know, there, there, there's very few students that do from the state of North Carolina. There are probably more there from Connecticut and the D.C. suburbs and, and, and New York City and Boston suburbs. But for football players, I think it will help. And for Duke, to kind of try to fashion, I think I think God has, to try to kind of fashion themselves a little bit like Pat Fitzgerald's done the job at Northwestern, mm-hmm. that, that it can be done like at Stanford over a couple of different coaches. And, and, and Matt, I, I think I've shared this with you before. My, I, of all the coaches out there, I like to say pound for pound, the guy that gets the most out of his team, I think it's Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern, and David Cutler's not far behind. So I don't think it can hurt, but that night when you're on the receiving end and getting walloped, it may not feel real good. No doubt. Hey, and I'm looking here, I, I guess – I skipped over this one when I was just kind of looking at games in that opening weekend. South Carolina versus North Carolina. Do they have any kind yeah. of rivalry there that exists? Well, I think they kind of want to you know, kind of stage it as Carolina versus Carolina. And you know, last year, South Carolina got, got defeated in the bowl game by Virginia from the ACC. And they have the annual game with Clemson, which is really – all task right now for Will Muschamp and his program. I think they want to, and, and the return of Mac Brown in that game will be fun. You know, Will Muschamp used to work for Coach Brown at Texas, so I, I think that's a, a very interesting matchup. I don't know about how heated it is, but we know, uh, you know, you, you, you plant a tiny acorn and it grows into a mighty oak tree with, with the heated aspect of college football. Everything can't build to that Thanksgiving weekend crescendo, so it has to start somewhere. And it's a good matchup. I, I much prefer that than to, to some of the matchups opening weekend. I've told you I, I just don't think any SEC team should ever play somebody from the FCS. Mm-hmm. I think it's disgraceful to your ticket-buying public to, to, to charge them the, the full freight for a FCS opponent. I, there's 130 teams playing FBS. I think you could find somebody to schedule. I think you could find somebody in the neighborhood to schedule. It's why I very much applaud uh, Mississippi State playing Southern Miss, and I even like State's opener against Lee Lafayette and Billy Napier. I just don't think anybody from the SEC 
should be playing an FCS opponent. I know people go, well, you know, how are they going to make their budget? Uh, they'll have to fend for themselves. They, they, they can make their budget, but I, I don't. I don't think getting trounced in front of a sparsely attended uh, uh, by a sparsely attended crowd is, is what we should be doing with with that 12th game, and particularly that weekend before I mentioned Thanksgiving weekend and, and some of the cream puffery that's played there. I, I think it's wrong to do your ticket buying public like that. Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all. Um, I agree 100. percent Brent Norsworthy on your radio. Hey, Brett, you know, you mentioned Mac Brown at North Carolina. I don't know. I didn't realize this until a couple of weeks ago when I saw it. I sent him a text. But my old offensive coordinator, Sparky Woods, is on the staff at North Carolina. He's listed as special assistant to the head coach under Mac Brown. Did you realize he was up there? <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, I hadn't thought about Sparky all the time. Yeah, I knew him a little bit at Memphis, a little bit at Alabama. I want to say Sparky Woods might have even been on a – was he on the Danny Ford staff at Arkansas for a while? I think he might have been there. I, I can't confirm it. Hey, but I'm going to strike a chord with you even deeper, though, Brett. Listen to this. I came – speaking of Sparky, we had something come up on the show yesterday. I'm going to play you 20 seconds of audio. I hope you can hear it, and then I'm going to get your reaction. Clemson versus South Carolina. Sparky Woods and his Dominickers have been laying stronger eggs of late and have ever intention of causing a high pigskin cholesterol count in the big bad felines on Saturday in Death Valley. But it's doubtful if they can shut down all the arteries in this orange pride. Lennox Loser, in a close one, South Carolina. <laughs> How about that, Brett Norsworthy? Pure radio gold, Matt White. I love Leonard Loser's. And, and I, I'm going to say the first time I ever heard it was about 82 or 83, early on a Saturday morning, or in my world back then, that still was late on a Friday night, man, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and, and I'm listening to Leonard's Losers. I'm going, who is this? This is great, his delivery. I swear, here's somebody wanting to do a podcast. Here's your pot of money. Here, here, here's your radio gold. Here's your podcast glory. Do Leonard's Losers-style podcasts. But do it in men in blazers like the soccer guys, but with our accent. Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. It is a great idea because that is an accent that you cannot fake. Like Hollywood's tried, you can't imitate no. or fake that accent, can you? No, no you can't. Uh, the, the, the great author from Alabama, Rick Bragg, I, I saw him one time at a, at a book fair, and he said that someone accused him of laying on his accent a little bit for affectation. And he said, are you kidding me? You think I want to sound like this? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, we, we're going to kick it around. I had Neil Price on the show earlier, and we had just started to talk about it, and my power went out. So you know about oh, live, no. yeah, you know about live radio when the power goes out. My producer was left scrambling, and Neil was wondering what the heck. So we're going to try it again later. But he's another one that grew up. But we all did. He, heck, I read this yesterday, Brett. Leonard's Losers, Leonard Postero, was syndicated on 1,400 radio stations at one time. Wow. That's incredible. It, it, it was radio magic. It was fun. And, I mean, when you heard that, you, you, you knew it, it, it was our time of year. And, and Matt, you, you grew up in a, a melting pot of fandom, and, and I did too. And I, I'm, I'm lucky. I consider myself lucky, blessed, fortunate. Because when I was a little guy, when I was 10 years old, 
fall of 1972-73. I'm not kidding you on a Saturday. I could start that radio dial and just slow turn it all the way down the AM side, and I could get Stan Torgerson in Ole Miss. I could get John Ward in Tennessee. I could get Jack Crystal in Mississippi State. I could get Arkansas and Bud Campbell. I could get the Memphis Tigers with Jack Eaton. And at night, I could get WWL and, and, and maybe have the radio turn just right and get Louisville and, and, and maybe a, a Kentucky game. And they were good in the mid-'70s under Fran Kersey. And I came through that stretch of listening to these colorful radio play-by-play and analysts, and I consider myself lucky to have done it. We didn't have this wall-to-wall, you know, from 11 to 11 on TV. I'm glad we have that now, mm. but I, but those those formative years of listening to all those radio calls and, 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 and hearing their stories and learning about college football, and it's why this, this is my favorite time of year, and, and a really special time, 150th year of college football, and an everyday fan kind of really keeping up with it was about year 50, 51, 69 or 70 season for me, and you know, for sure from 70, 71, 72 on, mm. of you know, just dying for Saturday to get here and keep up with all these games and all these teams. And I, I, I tell people, I, I love, I love Ole Miss and how very good it's been to me. But I love college football and I love seeing people's fandom and their love for it. Mm. Same here. Brett, uh, as always, uh, whenever we get a chance to talk, it goes by quickly and have fun. And so I appreciate your time here on a Thursday, man. It won't be long now. Thank you. Any, anytime. Just don't hit that power cord again. <laughs> Stepping on the cord. Somebody <laughs> is. All right. Appreciate it, Brett. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. Brett Norsworthy. Y'all stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. You know what, Roger, Brett Norsworthy said something in that interview, and I just jotted the phrase down, but it stuck with me. When he was talking about these different voices, and, and, and it was either when he was talking about it, it was in relation to um, Leonard's Losers or one of the announcers that he talked about he listened to, but what he said is you would hear that on the radio, and he said, you knew it was our time of year. And I thought, man, I like that. Our time of year. Because it's really how it feels, isn't it? Or to get states, the uh, PR department on that. Or you got, this is our state. Now you got, this is our time of year. I, exactly. But it was such a great way of, in, in just a couple of words, a handful of words, I think, from Brett there, describing how it feels. That's how everybody feels. If you're listening to my voice, undoubtedly, you're a sports fan. And and nine out of ten of you are big college football fans. Okay, so you grew up in a house with a, a state fan, an Ole Miss fan, an LSU fan, a Bama fan, and they introduced you to it, and you've felt it. You know how excited you get. The temperature cools off, the leaves change. SEC football tailgating. Heck, man, I've told you this, but I didn't grow up going to games. My parents didn't go to Auburn or Alabama. They went to University of Montevallo. 
south of Birmingham. A hotbed of sports. Yeah. Yeah, my dad played um, college baseball there. My mother went and got her degree and became a teacher. But we experienced it through the radio and TV. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly right, Roger. We didn't go to games, so we watched them um, and we listened to them. And so it still feels that way. And I look back on the childhood, you know, part of it, it still feels that way because the weather would change. And it was so much fun. You know, the summertime crappie fishing, it slowed down for us, and but it was it you're so much hotter, you don't stay out there as long. You don't enjoy it as much because you're burning up in the boat. But man, that, that that cool snap comes and you're listening to college football on the radio and you're fishing. And yeah, you it's your time of year. It's our time of year. That's the way we feel about it. And I thought that was a great phrase from Brett right there. I remember being really small. You don't re- probably remember. Radios used to have to warm up. No, I don't remember and, that. No. <laughs> <laughs> the tube radios. My, at least my grandmother's radios. We had a Zenith TV and a Zenith radio. I've still got the radio and it works. Oh, wow. But I would, the cartoons that I liked would be over. I'd turn the TV off. We'd turn the radio on. It'd warm up and there'd be Jack uh-huh. coming in. Scratchy at first, then solid. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like it would tune itself in, sort of. And you're right about that. Uh, with the windows open and the, that little fall oh, smell. Man. It's a little different this summer, a little drier, but yep. fresh air coming in the house. Nothing like it. Yeah, I know. And, man, what I wouldn't give to have the energy and strength in my legs and flexibility to just run out and play, pick up football in the yard all day long like we used to also. Kids in the neighborhood, we play – you know, it's fall Saturdays. If you didn't go fishing, we just played. We weren't sitting there watching games. We were playing. Our parents watch the games. We go outside and we're playing football. And play ball all day long. They had to whistle for you to come inside to eat. Otherwise, you wouldn't come inside. <laughs> now, do you live in a neighborhood like that with kids around and stuff? Yes. Uh, we, do, we, they, we, do they play together or are they yeah, stuck in their rooms? Th- they do. We... You know, folks next door to us, they have two young sons, and they're always outside playing. They have friends over. They they have pickup games. I would say it's probably still, though, it's not to the extent that it was when I was a kid, you know, coming up in the 80s. And um, because, yeah, I mean, then uh, year-round. Dad would tell me, you go out, you come back when we call you. Yeah, come back, we'll <laughs> call you when it's time. Yeah, yeah uh, one of my favorite comedians, Billy Gardell, his, uh, he grew up in the Pittsburgh area, but he – talks about that it's kind of that americana childhood sort of thing and he says you know his dad would send him outside and then lock the door you know you come back two hours later knocking on the door and yeah dad would say that opening a door back and forth no 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 no. he said his dad would say go away i'm taking a nap (laughs) he said dad i'm thirsty his dad would say use the hose yep use the hose use the water pipe (laughs) That's it. The hose man. pipe. That's what they call it. The hose pipe. Hose pipe. That's exactly right. The hose pipe. All right. So um, coming up, we're going to do a redo with, uh, since I got cut off, the electricity went out when I was talking to Neil Price earlier in the show. We're going to do a redo. I think he's going to be in his office this time, Roger, so I'll give you the number. That's coming up later in the show. Um, this is something I mentioned to you. You want to see it for yourself, just go to ESPN.com. The top 15 most exciting players in college football. According to this guy over here at ESPN, I, I'm sure there's a panel, but Edward Ashoff wrote it. 
And number one is not somebody from Clemson or Alabama. He says the number one most exciting player in college football is Rondale Moore, the wide receiver at Purdue. Yeah, so look it up. You can read all about it. Jerry Judy, receiver Alabama, number two. Number three is the running back at Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor. Number four, receiver Justin Ross of Clemson, who was just the star of the national title game. Uh, Clemson running back Travis Etienne in the top five. Jalen Hurts, Oklahoma QB, former Bama QB in the top ten. Kid from Colorado, the quarterback from Houston. Uh, Khalil Tate, quarterback Arizona. DeAndre Swift of Georgia is in the top ten. Got a kid from Temple. Let's see, Grant Delpit, the safety from LSU at 13. And then a kid from Duke, Deion Jackson, running back kick returner from Duke, is number 15. So you want to see the whole list, go look at it, read it for yourself. Where's Hertz now? Hertz is now at Oklahoma. Okay. Oklahoma. All right. Um, Talk about a good fight song. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, 995-1059. Bulldog Neal on the phone. What's up? Hey, guys, how's it going? Just right. What's on your mind? Just, just, just a quick thought. When I was growing up, first of all, we played a ton of satellite roughhouse football. Mm-hmm. Um, our curfew was you had best be home when the street lights came on. That's it. <laughs> if, the street, if, the, if the street light was on and you weren't home, that's a bad, bad thing. Really? Okay. And, and and I drink so much water out of a water hose it ain't even funny. But I tell you, when I played back when I played football, water was a reward for a good practice. Mm-hmm. I didn't care if it was 105. You didn't get water till the end of practice. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. It was uh-huh. a reward. That's no doubt. It it was a reward. That's right. And we looked like a bunch of water hogs with that. We had these little <laughs> sawhorse kind of things with a pipe on it that had a water hose stuck on one end with holes. And man, we oh, it was, it was a rough looking lot there at the end of practice. It, uh, it was ugly, and I know you know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, I sure but, do. Uh, I had a coach one time. Yeah. One kid asked for water. He said, "Y'all want water?" We said, "Yeah." He said, "Go down there by the water thing." He said, "Line up on the edge of the field." He lined us up on the edge of the field, made us turn around, and he squirted us all in the back of the head with water. It wow. just just squirted uh, it on we, us. Yeah, we didn't. We we never got water during practice. That just what yeah. happened? I mean, it just what happened, right? And uh, but you better, you better bet. You, if you were in the neighborhood and, and and it lost track of time, and you looked up and you saw those old lights forming up, mm. uh, it's time to pedal and pedal hard. <laughs> pedal hard. <laughs> Good stuff, Neil. Appreciate you call. Somebody's yard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank take a guys. shortcut. Thank you. Had to take a shortcut or know a shortcut. Gator Greg, what's up with you, man? Well, we had a little rest after FGC Media Days, and uh, the season is coming up, what, a week from Saturday for the for the Gators. Now, yep. first, is there rumors that you're going to come out of retirement to be the new quarterback for the uh, Mississippi Bucket and the Arena League? Yeah. Is that true? I think that it is some truth to that, Greg, which tells you what kind of shape they're in. I'm kidding. Okay, well, hey, I know the break's coming up. Talk about this Miami situation. They named the starter quarterback, yep. and it's not the Tate Martell kid. I'm I'm thinking maybe the Gators have a chance to win by three points. Y'all have a good show. We always love calling the Matt Wyatt show. And Roger's the best. We'll see. Attaboy, Greg! Greg, Greg must be a diplomat. <laughs> Get me out of here, Percy. Great call. <laughs> Neil Price, 2.0, coming up next. Stick around. 
You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Well, look, I can't sing like Reba McIntyre, so I'll just say that today was the day the lights went out in Tupelo. They did. So we're about to have interview number 2.0 with Hale State Voice, and and this is, and, and Roger, I think your mic's on. I hear it in the background there. Uh, this is what I'm talking about. Something that we all listened to growing up. Clemson versus South Carolina. Sparky Woods and his Dominickers have been laying stronger eggs of late and have ever intention of causing a high pigskin cholesterol count in the big bad felines on Saturday in Death Valley. But it's doubtful if they can shut down all the arteries in this orange pride. Lennox Loser in a close one, South Carolina. <laughs> What did he call it? Rooster Neil Price. He is Hale State Voice. Y'all follow him on Twitter and Instagram. He's a play-by-play announcer for Mississippi State, and he's on your radio right now. What was it he called? The Roosters right there? Dominickers? Is that? I guess that's a name Domineckers. for Dominickers. Yeah, <laughs> Dominickers. I guess it's a name for a rooster, and that one slipped by me in, uh, in there. Uh, Leonard's Losers, a staple. Listen, I'm going to start you off with this. Brett Norsworthy told me a little bit ago, and I love the way he phrased this. He said, when I heard that on the radio, he said, I knew it was our time of year. How about that? Yeah. How about that? I mean, it was it was a staple before every Tennessee game I listened to growing up. And I'd love to know at its peak how many markets carried Leonard's losers. I'd love to know. It had to be, it had to be somewhere in the hundreds. Um, well, well, listen to this. Matter of fact, here you go. I, lo- I, I just looked it up. Okay. At its popularity, over fourteen hundred radio stations, and it was also on Armed Forces Radio. So that's a pretty big deal. Fourteen hundred radio stations. Fourteen at its height. Fourteen hundred radio stations. How that's, about that? That's just hard to. It's hard to really even fathom. So it's no wonder that everybody heard it, you know. And for him to do this thirty, forty years. But you were telling me that, like, growing up for you in, in East Tennessee, Leonard's loser, Leonard Postero, or, or you know, Leonard Postostis, wasn't the only voice that you would hear doing those, uh, doing an act or doing a bit on the weekends. Right. So you, you had Leonard's losers, and then you had a guy who was based right outside of Knoxville named Steve Armistead, who worked with another guy who was radio talent in that part of the world named Dave Young, and those guys did a show called Southern Pickwick Football. And basically it was the two of them impersonating all these famous football figures, Keith Uh. Jackson and Lou Holtz and Gene Stallings at that time and Johnny Majors and – around Alabama games, for example – Keith Jackson would set up whoever Alabama was playing that weekend. They would have Gene Drawlings 
the Alabama head coach <laughs> come on and and talk and you know and he sounded just like Coach Stallings with a real slow Southern drawl, mm. and then they would have someone ultimately do a Forrest Gump character <laughs> to come in and help you know kind of tie a bow on all of it. Uh, Lou Holtz was coaching at Notre Dame at that time, so Coach Lou would get on the big golden horn to the sky, or he'd talk to John Paul about what was going to happen, you know. And but those two shows used to run back to back in in, in the Knoxville markets. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, you just knew, you know that that was kind of the that was the appetizer the, the, that led you into the to the bigger meal when you when you got into seriously talking about football, but. Those were two very colorful ways to to kind of advertise and promote the game. Yeah, Neil Price on your radio right now. Um, uh, some of the terms that Leonard would use. He oh, used... I wish I wish I could be as creative. Oh, to I come know. up with the different ways to say the names of the teams. Uh, I remember Tennessee was always the rifleman. Yeah, the rifleman. That's right. And yeah, when he would uh, say Notre Dame, Georgia was the red clay hound. <laughs> the red clay uh, hounds. <laughs> yeah, the red clay hound. Uh, Alabama was the pachyderm. Yeah, that's um, right. What did he call? Um, Notre Dame was the Pope's pupils. <laughs> the Pope's pupils, Florida, I think, were like the wop wops or the slow waddlers or something like that. Yeah. Um, he'd call them a giant he water called, he, called, he called Vanderbilt Stadium one time. Jerry DiNardo was coaching at Vandy, and uh, I forget what I forget what the game was. I just remember whatever team was coming to Nashville, they were headed up the Cumberland River to face Coach DiNardo and his sailors on the Cumberland Cruiser. I remember <laughs> that and thought that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I tell you, whoever wrote them um, was a master because they would fit so much in a 20-second pick, you know, you'd listen to it, you think he must have been talking for two minutes. No, it was like 20, 30 seconds. That's how many different big words he would fit in there. The guy who did that, uh, Leonard Postero Sr., passed away in 2001. Um, Neil, you know, it's one of those things where as the um, sport has begun, it's uh, continued to grow in its distribution. Um, you know, there's so many different ways people can get it. But I said this last week that collectively, a bunch of nice guys, you know, great people as head coaches in the SEC now. But when I look back at the time when Leonard Loser was in his heyday and all that, it, the entertainment value of the collectively of the head coaches back in the day in the SEC, it makes the guys now seem boring. Back when you had Fulmer and Stallings and you know and Spurrier and all these guys, they the coaches themselves were entertainment value every weekend. Don't you agree? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, it was uh, it was always fun when I was a, a a young young man before Philip Fulmer trying to decipher some of the things that Johnny Majors said to the media. Mm-hmm. You know, because Coach Majors would get fired up and he'd. <laughs> you know, just and and you try to pick it out, and you, you know it was it was a challenge. Uh, but you, you had these, you know, I mean, and and Coach Majors overlap with Coach Bryant at Alabama, and then obviously you had, you know, like you say, you get into that area where I really started paying attention to football in the '90s, and it was you know Gene Stallings and Philip Fulmer and Ray Goff at Georgia, uh, Steve Spurrier at Florida. Uh, 
let me think. Jackie Sherrill would have been at state at that point. Um, uh, I, I'm trying to remember who else would have been around. Donardo and Woody Woodenhofer at Vanderbilt. Um, yeah. You, you Bill had. Curry was at Kentucky. See, it, it, it shocked me as a when I first got to the last job back in 2005. You know, it shocked me that a guy left Alabama to be the football coach at Kentucky. <laughs> it shocked me. Yeah, <laughs> right. But there Bill was Curry. again, there, yeah. there was that entertainment value even there at Kentucky because it was Bill Curry. You know, you just we we didn't realize how fortunate we had it. We took it for granted back in the 80s, 90s that you know across the league. Man, something like SEC Media Days was, you know, you'd buy a ticket. And and now, you know, I'm not sure that you would. It's a it's a neat thing. It's an era that I'm glad I got to live in, you know. But I still they weren't I, as saturated, though, as the coaches are today. That's you agree true. with that? Oh, yeah, that's definitely true. Absolutely. The 24-hour news cycle hadn't hit college football at that point. So you got when, – when you got together in a room with those guys – I think you got a little bit more because they hadn't been asked the same question five times, five different ways in in a week. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and probably they were a little less um, always on guard because they weren't worried about some quote being taken out of context by ten thousand fans on Twitter. You know, <laughs> which uh, now you know the coaches nowadays do have to worry about that. Well, Neil, uh, it's good to talk to you. I know folks always they like hearing your voice and. Pretty soon, man. Sooner than later, they're going to get to hear a lot of it. It'll be here before we know it. Yeah. Uh, what is it? It's 15 days. Mm-hmm. Does that sound about right? 13 days, something like that? Well, let's and, see. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So uh, it, it will be here before you know it. We'll be headed to New Orleans, and uh, we'll. Uh, you, you'll have to tell me a little bit about that big building down there. Uh, it'll be the first time for me, and I'm sure a lot of players going yeah. into that place, uh, you know, and, and I'm, I'm excited about that, to see it, big stage. Uh, really excited for all those uh, those state players from Louisiana that are going to get to go back and play in the Superdome. I think that'll be a big deal for them. And, and I think this Louisiana team now, uh, they, they've got some athletes, yeah. you know, so it's a game that state can't go in there and, and just think that they're, they're going to be able to have their way, you know, in, in the opening game of the year. They're going to have to go in there and be disciplined. And and I'm excited to see what Joe's offense is going to do, too. Just what little bit I've been able to watch, I think it's going to be better. And I'm excited to see how much better it's going to be. You going to have uh, Boudin and Beignets for breakfast on game day? Uh, I don't know about Boudin, but I'm, I, I could go for a beignet. Okay. I don't know about Boudin that early, but I could go for a beignet for sure. Uh, I don't know that. I don't know that powdered or, or chocolate or strawberry boudin would be very good. Uh, but all that's good thing. on all that's good on beignets. All that's, that's good on exactly that. right. So, uh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm with Maybe you. they'll have coffee and beignets for us from uh, Cafe Du Monde in, in the Superdome. Wouldn't that be nice? Ooh, That'd be something. Wouldn't it? Make your tongue slap your hat off. Yeah. I hope I'll I'll hope go. for that until then. Neil, I appreciate you, buddy. Good to talk to you. Thank you. See you, Matt. See ya. That's Neil Price. Y'all follow him on Twitter, at Hale State Voice. And for Roger, I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. We will talk to you manana. See ya. Another load of smart pills has been distributed, and I'm slap worn out. So I'll just say, so long, neighbors. Get me out of here, person. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.